Week one of the college football season, and what a week one it was for the Oklahoma Sooners. we got so much to talk about on today's show, including an incredible debut from Jackson Arnold, all on Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Happy Victory Monday to you here on the show. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On, to make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My partner in crime here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on the KREF Sports app from 9 to noon. Josh, man, it couldn't have gone any better for the Oklahoma Sooners in their 73 to nothing win over Arkansas State on Saturday. Yeah, it's exactly how you wanted to see Oklahoma start versus this Arkansas State team. Just dominant. Dominant from uh, really the very get-go in this contest. A couple of chunk plays defensively that uh, Oklahoma gave up in, in what, the first five drives for, for Arkansas State. Corey Rucker had the 28-yard reception and then a 47-yarder to Courtney Jackson, but uh, both of those drives resulting in missed field goals for Arkansas State, and that's a credit to Brent Venables and company, the defense uh, stiffening and forcing field goal tries, and then, of course, offensively a lot to get to uh, in the way there from positives for Oklahoma, special teams department as well. It was just big picture, 73 to nothing. It was exactly what you were looking for out of week one. Yeah, and to start with the defense there, you know, you're going to give up plays sometimes. You're going to get beat. It just happens. Those are good players that they have. Maybe not as good as your players, but they're playing college football for a reason. Butch Jones is a good head coach. He's been around the block a little bit. He knows how to scheme things and get guys open. He's going to be able to help his guys get open from time to time. Sometimes whatever you call, whatever you dial up defensively, they're going to have something that can beat it every once in a while. The beauty of this game was that it was just a couple of plays. It was just a couple of chunk plays. Could it have been a few more if those guys had dropped, not dropped those passes? Possibly. But they dropped those passes. Some of that comes from playing a defense that was playing with as much aggression and intensity as Oklahoma was. Some that Sometimes that just leads to drop passes, miscues. You're trying to play up to that level of, of intensity or that standard that Oklahoma plays with, and maybe you press. It's all part of the gamesmanship of the game. So we could talk about the what ifs, but they didn't happen. So we can't really talk about those, but we can talk about how Josh just mentioned it. The defense stiffened up. They held them to field goals and were those makeable field goals. Sure. They were makeable field goal field goals, but in college football, kicking is always an adventure. And I mean, we saw from Zach Schmidt a year ago, you know, he was 67% on his field goal attempts. Field goal attempts are not always a guarantee. I mean, anymore at the NFL level, it seems like that's waning as well. So holding them to a field goal attempt, even if they make those and say you give up six points in the game, that's still a great first performance for this Oklahoma Sooners defense. 
when they emptied the bench, I mean, they played a ton of dudes. I think Ted Roof mentioned 44 guys on defense that they played, and you still were able to manage the shutout. I mean, it would not have been unreasonable to think, okay, you get to your third, fourth stringers on the defense, and then they give up a late touchdown in the game. Well, that didn't happen. The intensity stayed up. The physicality stayed up. The tenacity stayed up. And the execution stayed up throughout this game. 44 players, to your point, John, made uh, their first appearance in an Oklahoma uniform on Saturday, Uh, 10 of which, uh, 10 players, their first Oklahoma starts. 39 first-year Sooners saw the field on Saturday. So, you know, that's what we expected. You know, maybe not 73 to nothing, but hey, we we love that. We'll welcome that. The 73-point victory margin, by the way, Oklahoma's largest in a season opener in 106 years. So, I mean, 73 points tied for the fifth most in a season opener. The 45 first-half points were the third most ever in a season opener. So this was a historically great start for Oklahoma. And, And obviously, we all get the opponent. It's Arkansas State. There's been many, many better starting opponents for Oklahoma, but you play with what you're dealt, right? You play the opponent that you're dealt And Oklahoma dominated this opponent and a bunch of guys. Like we thought, John, we're going to see field time. And they did. To your point about the opponent. I mentioned this on the lockdown centers, Twitter account. If you don't follow us over there, please do that. Um, TCU played a Colorado team that nobody thought was going to be any good. And they got beat. Texas tech went up to Wyoming Played a, a solid group of five team, but not a team that's been winning 10, 11, 12 games at the group of five level, and they got beat. Baylor played Texas State, who hasn't been a good group of five program in their existence, and they got beat. Texas had some issues with Rice in the first half. Turned it on in the third quarter, but struggled a little bit. Houston only beat UTSA by three. So we can get rid of the whole, it was only Arkansas State, because Oklahoma did everything that they had to do and they did it well. They put a walloping on their opponent. It wasn't, I mean, it could have been a lot worse, but I think they slowed the game down, but never in this game was there a question as to who the better team was. And never in this game was Arkansas state actually in the game. They didn't struggle with this opponent. Like many of their big 12 compatriots did. And I think that's, that's something that we need to reflect on and and be thankful for. You know, Oklahoma didn't have what Texas Tech had to deal with. They're not staring 0-1 in the face as they go into week two. So we can talk about, okay, it was just Arkansas State, but Oklahoma took care of business from start to finish, got the shutout, got the big win. A lot of guys made big plays, and you got to see, I think what is the most promising thing of this is you got to see a lot of dudes flash and they talked about the competitive depth all off season. And you saw that on display in this week one event. Now, again, we're going to preface this. The challenges will get tougher and the, the next one comes against SMU. But for this Saturday, I mean, you couldn't have expected anything better than this. Well, and I just come back to, I think I said it multiple times last week as, okay, what do you want to see in the opener from Oklahoma? And the number one thing for me was look crisp. Look like this is a team, a program, a group of players and coaches that it's year two, even though we're talking about, okay, it's look at the X amount of suitors that it was their first appearance and on and on and on. But uh, 
it looked like a well-oiled machine for Oklahoma. And it was supposed to versus Arkansas State, but they looked crisp, right? I mean, you know, I know we're going to talk in detail about Dylan Gabriel, but Oklahoma set a school record for completion percentage with its its quarterbacks. So that means that the the route combinations are crisp, getting it out of the hand is quick, uh, it's crisp, you're accurate, and that's been a talking point with Dylan Gabriel, right, is be more accurate, be more accurate. So just I think across the board for Oklahoma, they answer the call for what we wanted to see, and that's probably the biggest takeaway for this game. We can dive into a bunch of the individual notes with uh, different players. I thought – you know, Justin Harrington was impressive. The one hit that Gentry Williams had was pretty exciting. I mean, there's a, a bunch of individual plays that were great to see. And again, I think the, the big, big overriding takeaway is just that Oklahoma did what it was supposed to do and looked crisp doing so. Yeah, they didn't look like a team trying to figure things out. They didn't look like a team unsure of themselves. They played like a team very sure what they were supposed to do on the football field against Arkansas State on Saturday. We've got several more takeaways as we go through. We'll talk about the quarterback play here as well. But first, we're going to talk to you about our friends over at Athletic Brewing. It's now time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like, oh, I don't know, Gavin Freeman early in this contest, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that, wait for it, everybody, actually taste good that's that's what you're looking for right it's speaking again of game changers gavin freeman my goodness delivering our game-changing performance of the week less than two and a half minutes into oklahoma season opener big 82 yard punt return touchdown that oh by the way was oklahoma's first punt return touchdown since dd westbrook's 71 yarder versus kansas in 2016 but again we're looking for game changers athletic brewing company they are that they've completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game they make those non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good and they're always creating inventing innovating they brew over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beer including ipas golden sours and more and again they're adding to the collection as we go one final great note that i always come back to here experience talking no hangovers ever with athletic brewing company that is a win ladies and gentlemen you can find athletic brewing company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com first-time customers you could use our code locked on to get 15 percent off your first online order that's our code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n at checkout for 15 percent off at athleticbrewing.com near beer exclusions and conditions apply athletic brewing company fit for all times so one of the big takeaways is it's got to be right. I, I know we're going to talk some Jackson Arnold, of course, but let's talk about the starting quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, who John, again, I thought, okay, a couple of deep balls underthrown here and there, but by and large in great command of Oklahoma's offense, I thought uh, just in terms and everything is prefaced with that. Yeah, but it's Arkansas state. I thought Dylan Gabriel, the way he ran the tempo, orchestrated it for Oklahoma. Just everything about Oklahoma's offense was in better sync. And that starts, of course, with Dylan Gabriel's performance. Yeah, and I think in the conversation of tempo, I feel like they just had a much better pace balance, if that makes sense. In that, yes, they were hurrying up. I mean, that first drive took like a minute 18 off the clock, if I remember correctly. I mean, it was less than a minute 20 that they scored on that first TD drive. So blistering pace right down the field, no questions asked. They score a quick touchdown, boom, bang, done. But later in the first quarter, 
you know, when it looked like maybe they could get up 21, nothing by, you know, the 10 minute mark, they slowed it down just a little bit, maybe not, you know, to a 10 minute, you know, 10 play 10 minute drive sort of a thing, but they still had a, a, a slower pace to the drive. They were changing. I, I felt like they were changing speeds to use a, a baseball term uh, a little bit, you know, keeping the defense off balance a little bit, you know, they, they slow down for a series of downs and then they'd pick back up for that next series of downs. They'd get that first down and then they'd go quick to the, to the line of scrimmage and then run that next play and then go bam, bam, bam. But it, I really liked the, the pace of play. It wasn't all just, we get up, we hurry up, we get to the ball, we snap the ball as quickly as we can the entire time. Now, again, some of that might've been dictated by who they were playing and, and just not wanting to make it a hundred to nothing. Um, if they, you know, are 50 to nothing by halftime or, or worse, but I do like what they were trying to do. If that, I mean, we saw in the second half with Jackson Arnold that, and we'll talk about Jackson Arnold in a second, but again, slower pace on the drives, not necessarily going three minute drives. I think there was like a seven or eight minute drive that spanned the third and fourth quarter with Jackson Arnold in a game. So I think that's a good step in the right direction about creating a little bit better balance and, you know, situational football and, you know, playing with good complementary football. I think that just helps the team when they're willing to slow it down a little bit, you know, still get to the line of scrimmage, still put a little bit of a pressure on the defense because they have to be ready but then slowing it down a, a touch. So, but on Jack, on, on Dylan Gabriel's game, I mean, he was, he was sharp. People want to talk about the underthrown balls, but they were still effective balls, right? Cause they drew pass interference calls. Like that's what you're, you're either hoping for a big play or you're hoping to draw the penalty when you throw it deep like that. And Andrew Anthony did a great job drawing the play, drawing the calls, but people aren't focusing on, okay, that was a great ball to Andrew Anthony that yes, he had to kind of dive and reach out for, but it was in a position where he could make the play on it. There was one uh, in the back right corner of the end zone that was just out of Jaleel Farouk's you know, fingertips. But again, throwing it to the, where only his receiver was going to be able to make a play, a good ball. It just didn't fall for the Sooners on that one. You talk about one, one thing that I really like to see is that he was willing to take some chances on some 50-50 balls. You know, a quarterback has got to be willing at times to let his player make a play. And when he threw the ball down the left sideline to a very well-covered Jaden Gibson, you know, it didn't go for the touchdown. But, I mean, Jaden Gibson made a heck of a play on the football. But your quarterback, he's got to be willing to throw that every once in a while. And, yes, let his player go make a play. And it was really nice to see Dylan Gabriel do that. Uh, one quick stat for you from uh, Pro Football Focus an area where a lot of people had concern and complaint with Dylan Gabriel from a year ago was on his work over the middle of the field, right? We, we were concerned about his ability to hit receivers, you know, zero to 20 yards, middle of the field in the intermediate passing game. He was perfect on Saturday. He was eight of eight for 116 yards and a touchdown between zero and 20 yards in the middle part of the field. To me, chef's kiss that shows improvement. It shows a willingness to work on his game. And then in the screen game, I mean, he was phenomenal. You talked about it, Josh, getting the ball out quick. You got to do that in the screen game on play action. He was near flawless. So I have zero complaints about Dylan Gabriel's game. Quarterbacks are going to miss throws. If you're sitting there dissecting every single throw a quarterback makes and you're like, oh man, he really missed this one. Then you're over analyzing quarterback play and you're not watching enough quarterbacks because every single quarterback, NFL, college, high school, peewee, me playing Madden. We all miss throws. Like every quarterback is going to miss a throw here and there. It just happens. It's the name of the game because it's 
arguably the most difficult position in sports to play when you've got guys coming at you and you're throwing into tight windows under that duress you're gonna miss throws every once in a while on saturday though dylan gabriel played a phenomenal game with the understanding that again arkansas state dylan gabriel is the highest rated passer this weekend out of the big 12 quarterbacks 19 of 22 a couple of touchdowns like you said i would agree and second that let andrew anthony let Jaden Gibson, let Nick Anderson, let these guys go make plays for you. Trust those guys to go make plays for you. And uh, obviously Dylan Gabriel did that. And I just keep coming back to the, the presence about Dylan Gabriel, the command of Dylan Gabriel looked good, looked really, really good in this game. So the, uh, the topic that many will want to uh, speak about Jackson Arnold, what, what were your impressions? He, I mean, just statistically, it's a historic performance on from the birthday boy. Jackson Arnold, 11 of 11, 114 yards, one touchdown. But uh, w- what did you make of Jackson Arnold's debut? I don't think you could ask for anything more. I mean, he, again, a quarterback in command of the offense, a quarterback that was decisive with the football. He, throw, he threw a really nice ball, whether it was the deep ball on the right sideline. I think they got called back because of a, an offsides penalty. He just took a shot down deep, you know, threw, overthrew it a little bit if we're going to dissect some plays, but who cares? He was taking a shot because he had a free play on an offsides penalty. You don't care about the fact that he overthrew it. He took the shot. That's what you want to see out of your quarterback. When he gets a free play, he doesn't sit back there and just dunk it down. No, he goes for the gun. He goes for the big one, and it didn't work out, but that's okay. He took the shot. The ball to Jaden Gibson for the touchdown. Again, another beautiful ball. And, I mean, we'll talk about Jaden Gibson because that's one of the things that stood out. But I felt like he was he was better than I probably would have expected in his first start as a true freshman. Not start, sorry. His first experience as a true freshman in a collegiate football game. And, man, the way he ran the football, I, I think, okay, you look at what he did in high school and you're like, okay, that's high school you know, he's going to be bigger than everybody, a little bit stronger than everybody, maybe a little bit faster than everybody. But that did not seem to be an issue making the transition from high school to playing against a group of five team at the collegiate level. I mean, he was still looking like a man amongst boys just running the football, especially down near the goal line. I was, I was getting some Tim Tebow vibes down near the goal line with Jackson Arnold. And I'm not going to say he's Tim Tebow. I'm not going to say he's going to go win a Heisman trophy and be one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But that was the vibe that I got from him down at the goal line. When he ran in for that end zone, he just like, I'm bigger than you. I'm better than you. I'm getting in the end zone. You're not going to stop me. Even though physically a little bit different, a little bit different. Oh, for sure. <laughs> definitely. Definitely a little bit different players, but because he's even a better thrower than Tim Tebow, that makes him an even better runner because down near the goal line, you have to account for everything. With Tim Tebow down near the goal line, like 90% of the time you were sure he was going to run it. And then he'd like every once in a while pull back and then do that little jump pass. But with Jackson Arnold, like he's a legit guy that can throw it down near the goal line. He can run it down near the goal line. He's going to be incredibly dangerous when this team is his. Well, we we knew that he's a bona fide dual threat quarterback. And you, you don't go do the things that he did at Denton Geyer you don't go, what, win the Elite 11 without, again, having those types of qualities and traits. For him to have that level of expectation upon him, I mean, the ovation that he got entering the game, you know, it's like the crowd is so excited for Jackson Arnold's debut and then for him to go out and I think, you know, like you said, uh, to recognize, okay, free play here, 
a little adrenaline, maybe overshot that one a little, little bit, but that's okay. I'm taking a shot down the sideline. And then everything else was perfection in, in terms of uh, finishing 11 for 11 is really, really pretty impressive for him. Again, given the expectation that's uh, upon him, which that's what we want, right? The spring game with Jackson Arnold was, was okay. just okay, right? It, it was just okay. But this was, I think, a clear step forward from where he was even back in the spring, John. Yeah, I completely agree. It shows a kid that's got more confidence in what he's doing in the offense. And we'll talk about this in a second, but I think it also shows that the offensive line is better than what it looked like in the spring as well. Healthy, deep, and ready to go. We're going to have way more takeaways tonight and also on our live show on Monday night. So make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcast. Be available for the live show first. We're going to talk to you about our friends over at FanDuel. Now is the time to get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets. So if you want to take a shot at Oklahoma, minus 16 and a half against the SMU Mustangs or that over under of 70 and a half, you can do that at FanDuel and you can get bonus bet back. Win or lose, you're going to get them bonus bets. Plus all customers who bet $5 We'll get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from the spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Let I mean, go ahead, Josh. What is kind of the thing that we haven't touched on yet that you would love to just Share your take on at this point. A couple of items. Uh, running backs, we got to see a lot there. Uh, Javante Barnes, before it was all said and done, winds up with, uh, what, the most carries for Oklahoma in this game. Though we got a healthy dose of Marcus Major, of Tawi Walker. Caleb Hicks scores a touchdown. So uh, across the board, we saw a lot from Oklahoma's backfield. And it kind of reinforced what I think we knew going in, John, that this is one of the team's strengths. Yeah, it's a deep group. They ran the ball a ton, even outside of the quarterback run game where Dylan Gabriel, Jackson Arnold, and even Davis Bevel quit running Davis Bevel, Jeff Levy, please. The running backs ran it 40 times. Now, some of that was based on just game script because they were up by 45 at halftime. You're going to run the football a lot more. But also, it is a strength of this team. I mean, they were definitely willing to throw it still in the second half and give guys an opportunity to make plays. But, I mean, they're going to run the ball, and they're going to run it a lot. Again, the running backs accounted for 40 runs, which, you know, based on uh, every all the snaps, Oklahoma ran 90 plays in the game. So add in the quarterback run game, that's another nine carries. That's 49 rushes to – 51 passes or something like that. I haven't done the math exactly, but out of the 90 plays that occurred in the, in the game, 49 of them were rushes. So, I mean, that's good balance. It's almost perfect balance, but you got a lot out of your running backs. And I think that's huge for me, the man, the wide receivers, absolutely crazy how much depth they have and how many guys made plays. I mean, you can talk Angel Anthony, Drake Stoops, Gavin Freeman, Jaquez Petaway, uh, Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson. I mean, just on and on. LV Bunkley Shelton got in the mix. I think they had 10 receivers with a reception and they had what? Eight guys, nine guys with more than 20 yards receiving and 
five guys with more than 50 yards receiving Drake Stoops, man. I, I felt like he was going to catch like a hundred balls the way he was playing in the first quarter. I mean, he was just getting the ball every play and unstoppable basically every time he touched it. Now he's going to be out with the AC sprain probably against SMU, but the way that their slot receivers played 17 receptions, 131 yards, what two touchdown receptions, just a really, really good game from the wide receivers all together. John Quest Petaway ended up with nine grabs by, <laughs> by the time the day was done. So yeah, they're, they're, they're going to utilize those slot guys. Uh, Drake Stoops, you mentioned four grabs, one touchdown. And uh, oh, by the way, Gavin Freeman, in addition to his punt return touchdown, also had a receiving touchdown as well. Four grabs for 19. In the realm of hot takes, Andrew Anthony, I think, is going to be the leading receiver for Oklahoma by the, the time the year is done. Based on what I saw in the season opener, if I'm if you're saying give me a hot take, Josh, there you go. That's my hot take. I think Andrew Anthony is this team's number one wide receiver based on what I saw early in this contest. I think it's one of the guys that Dylan Gabriel feels the most confident with that speed to go take a shot with down the field. And oh, by the way, he can do a lot of the underneath stuff too. So I thought that was a really good sign. So just top to bottom. For Oklahoma's receivers, we saw a lot of what we wanted to see. I think you're getting a number one guy emerging perhaps in Andrew Anthony. And then Nick Anderson, uh, Jaden Gibson, they went and made some competitive catches. You know, Gibson, again, we talked about it earlier. The sideline grab was maybe the best grab of the whole day for Oklahoma. So, yeah, wide receiver, again, I've had a longstanding take, John. I'm not worried about pass catchers until it's proven I need to be worried about pass catchers at Oklahoma. And I think we saw a pretty good indication that, yeah, Oklahoma's just fine in the pass catching department. Yeah, they are. And even a guy like Jalil Farouk, who didn't get targeted a bunch and didn't really have much production, I mean, he's still a really good wide receiver. You just didn't see a lot of that on Saturday. But I, I think you're right. I mean, Andrew Anthony has the chance to do what Marvin Mims did, and that's lead Oklahoma in receiving yards, even if he doesn't lead him in receptions, which he very well could as well. I mean, the receiver crew is deep. Talking about the offensive line, because again, they were phenomenal. On 37 dropbacks, Josh, they allowed five pressures. Zero while Jackson Arnold was in the game, according to Pro Football Focus. Dylan Gabriel is only under pressure five times in the game, and I mean, they did what they needed to do. They ran for 220 yards, didn't allow a sack in the game. Not much more you could ask for from this offensive line against, again, an inferior opponent, but you should dominate this inferior opponent, which they did. One of those pressures, I think, turned into a Dylan Gabriel rushing touchdown, too. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it uh, running the football, maybe you'd like to see some more chunk gainers mixed in there. Probably uh, one too many, two, three-yard pops in there, you know, four and a half yards per carry versus Arkansas State. You'd like to keep that, uh, you know, ticking upward. But generally speaking, yeah, I mean, good in the pass protection department. It's round one for everybody. And overall, I think pretty good. Defensively, I mean, anything uh, in particular stand out there for you? Well, I just think the physicality was different. You know, whether it was Reggie Pearson being willing to take that personal foul call, knocking JT Shrout to his butt um, on the sideline, which to me, I'm like, that's a soft you know, personal foul. Yes. Reggie Pearson was standing out of bounds. Yes. JT Shroud was going out, but I mean, come on, Reggie Pearson should be entitled to his space too. I'm that's just me. Uh, but I mean, Gentry Williams, I mean, he got the memo too. just popped a dude on a screen pass. Like he came up fast, physical. And I mean, that was the, you got, what was the old ESPN segment that they used to have? 
you got jacked or something like that. Like that was a, you got jacked moment uh, from, from Gentry Williams. I thought the linebacker play was really good. Yeah. They, they had a couple chunk plays over the, over the backers. Uh, but all in all, I felt like they played really good and they showed off their depth as well with a bunch of guys making plays and Woody Washington, the dude just looks really good. He got targeted three times an average depth of target of 24 yards down the field and never once looked like it was going to be a completion played in good phase with the wide receiver, got his head back around to the football played physical and didn't get called for a pass interference, which I think there's a, there's a fine line between that, but being a veteran, you kind of know that line, but I thought he did a really, really good job of just, you know, staying where he needed to be getting himself in a good position and then being able to be physical either at the catch point or to prevent the, the receiver from getting up and making a play on the football. I just the defense I thought was just solid. Obviously we're, we're going to want the pass rush to be better. It was kind of non-existent Brent Venables and the staff kind of explained that as, okay, they max protected a bunch. And then they also you know got the ball out fast, which, okay, maybe, but it's going to be something for us to monitor as the season goes along. And that was one area that started lightning fast for Oklahoma a year ago. And then it, it fizzled as you got into uh, big 12 play in terms of the TFLs and the sacks uh, started going, especially the sacks went down once you got into big 12 play last year. So yeah, the uh, antennas are raised for Oklahoma to improve that versus SMU Tulsa. Then obviously as you get on to Cincinnati and Iowa state, one, one final thought defensively after one game, I do think cheat is a strength for this team, you, you know, and the Pearson play that you brought up was, it was just heartwarming. Wasn't it? It's yeah. like, finally, it's like, I, yes, go get a penalty. Let, let them know that you're going to hit somebody, but yeah, just uh, Cheetah, I think, is going to be a strength for this team. Justin Harrington did some some very, very nice things. McCola had the pass break up early. So, and they pitched a shutout, right? I mean, come on. Uh, what, what else can you really ask for? Right. When you go as deep into the well as they did with the roster and you still pitch that shutout, I mean, that's what you want. That's what you're hoping for as a, as a coach that, yes, at, we might experience a little bit of drop off, but the drop off is not as steep as it was last year when you go into your depth. And so the, I love the fact that they emptied the bench and they got so many guys opportunities to get into the game. Hopefully we'll get to see more opportunities for that this week against SMU, the week after against Tulsa. And as you get into the big 12 play that you get just a bunch of guys snaps and get them experience, get them better prepared for when an opportunity arises where they have to start. So again, I felt like everything from start to finish about as good as you could have asked for, you would like the pass rush to be a little bit better, but all in all, A-plus game for the Oklahoma Sooners. You got in, you got out. Minimal injuries. Drake Stoops will monitor. Desan McCullough will monitor. We'll see how that plays out this week and their availability for SMU this Saturday night. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Again, be here Monday night, 9 p.m. Central Time for our live show. We'll dig deeper. We'll go into what your thoughts were about the game. We'll continue to follow some of the major takeaways uh, from Oklahoma's 73 to nothing win over Arkansas State. And we'll have some thoughts on what happened around college football and in the Big 12 as well. Uh, and man, some recruiting buzz happening over the weekend uh, in addition to everything else that transpired on the football field. But make sure you follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref. I'm John Williams at John Nine Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all platforms every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. But until next time, he's Josh. I'm John. Boomer Sooner.